Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Live from Pawnee, a Parks and Rec fan rewatch podcast. This is one of your hosts, Alan, and with me is my colleague, Mark. Hey, Alan. How are you doing today? Doing great, Mark. How are you this week? I am fan-freaking-tastic. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Mark, you know what? I listened to our episode last week, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're really coming along. With, uh, we're, we're, we're neophytes in this game, but uh, we're learning. We're going to get better every week, I promise. Yup. All right. This week's episode is called The Reporter, and in the airing order, this is the third episode. I think we mentioned this last week, Mark, that this we is did. technically the second episode um, filmed. And um, I'm actually glad they traded these two. And we'll get into this a little bit later about this arc and the, the likability of the characters and some of that. But I think if these had or aired in the order in which they were filmed, I would have a little bit of problem with it. I would have felt like we, this uh, last episode was a step backwards. So I'm glad they did what they did. All right, cool. This episode was directed by Jeffrey Blitz, along with Greg Daniels and Michael Schur. It was also written by Dan Gore. And I think hopefully next week would be a good week for us to do this, Mark. I know we've talked about these connections, a lot of them going back to Greg Daniels and specifically Greg Daniels in the office and this big giant tree that branches out from there. And as I look more at this, I've even seen that some of those connections go back to Greg Daniels with King of the Hill that far back. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. So, but Dan Gore is what made me think of that. And he went on to create um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is another one of my favorite shows. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So funny. Maybe maybe that should be our next podcast. Maybe. All right. So Mark, I think we're going to kick it over to you for the cold open and a synopsis. Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, as you mentioned, this is uh, episode number three, but actually, well, the third one aired, second one actually recorded. Uh, It's called The Reporter. And um, we open on Jerry, Jerry Gergich, which is, the, I think this is the first scene that we really see him doing, you know, more than just sitting around in, which is kind of interesting. It may be the first time he's spoken. It, you may be right, actually. Yeah. So Jerry and Leslie are with a group of uh, preteens on a preteen nature hike, and they're exploring some of the plant wildlife in Pawnee, including what to avoid due to poison, blah, blah, blah. Leslie eats a poisonous plant that she thinks smells good and her tongue slash mouth uh, swells up. They try to remain calm while Leslie starts to babble uh, incoherently through the camera. I am a sucker for great physical humor. This was terrific. And, you know, they they end it by uh, Jerry actually being kind of competent and saying like, you know, let's not scare the kids. Let's kind of, you know, lead you away here. And then it ends with her turning to the camera and, I couldn't tell what she was saying. It has a very sweet aftertaste, though. (laughs) Very sweet aftertaste. There you go. Yeah. Um, Do you want me to, what do you think? Do you want me to launch right into that, from that to the synopsis? No, I'm going to say one thing here that I would normally say in character development. I'll probably bring it back up. But I found it interesting that we, in this episode, had smart Jerry and dumb Leslie. And I think this is going to be the last time we ever see that. So it's just interesting to note. It's funny. Don't get me wrong. But it is, it's not right for these characters based on what happens for the next six seasons. So no, I, I, yep, yep. I, I completely agree. It is, is notable just because, again, you and I have seen the whole series. So yep. We kind of know what these characters evolve into. This is, was almost jarring because it was so different from the norm that we've been accustomed to. Jerry was actually kind of like competent and, and Leslie was the, you know, in quotes, the dumb one. Yep, so exactly I completely right. agree. Good point. 
All right. What do you think? Synopsis time? Yes. Let's go through the synopsis. All right. All right. Well, th this is kind of an interesting one because there's a there's an A story and a B story, if you want to think of it like that. Um, That's a good point. I think from a story structure perspective, and, you know, this is not film school, but at the same time, <laughs> these are somewhat interesting things, I think, at least to you and I, and hopefully to anyone that listens to us. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's even occasionally a C story. Um, you know, some of the more complex episodes we'll see later on do bring in C stories. Sometimes they do an A to C to B to C kind of thing. Um, but yeah, tell us about that, Mark. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, the, the primary story, the A story is, is Leslie invites a reporter for the Pawnee Journal, uh, which I believe is the first introduction of Shauna Malway Tweep to write a story about her pit project. Yep. And despite Leslie's instructions to everyone to stay on message, things go awry during this uh, uh, interview with the reporter with several embarrassing admissions coming out, including the fact that Andy Dwyer was blackout drunk when he fell into the pit. Per his own admission. Yeah, his own admission. Big and dummy. had no idea. Fearful that Shauna will write an awful story, Leslie goes to Mark Brandanowitz to fix things. Well, Shauna and Mark end up hooking up that night, which greatly frustrates and angers Leslie the next morning when she meets Shauna at the pit for an interview, and it goes very poorly. Uh, Leslie confronts Mark, and he resigns from Leslie's committee and says she is acting like, in quotes, a huge dork. Uh, Leslie has a redo interview with Shauna the next morning at JJ's diner where she learns Mark said the park will never, ever happen. He apparently thought it was off the record. Um, Anne Perkins confronts Mark about this quote, and then the two of them in turn confront Shauna Malway Tweep, asking her not to print the story. Shauna agrees because they are romantically involved, which Mark... Uh, disputes the big dummy uh, annoying Shauna uh, Mark ends up apologizing to Leslie and she puts him back on her committee and that's kind of a, a thumbnail of the main story the the secondary B story is apparently uh, our favorite um, uh, apathetic um, uh, dirtbag Tom Haverford <laughs> has made a habit of losing on purpose to his boss, Ron Swanson, in online Scrabble. Uh, April, being the smartass that she is, logs onto Tom's computer and beats Ron soundly. Uh, Tom is horrified at this, chastises April, and he confesses to Ron what happened, saying like, Ron, Ron, you're the word king. Eh. And Ron lets it go. And later, he, you see Ron telling the camera that he knows full well that Tom loses to him on purpose, but saying that he likes Tom. He doesn't do a lot of work around here. He shows zero initiative. He's not a team player. He's never one to go the extra mile. Tom's exactly what I'm looking for in a government employee. So, you know, nice. you, you kind of get a little bit of an insight as to the continued, uh, uh, you know, uh, anti-government stance that Ron has. So, yep, those are the synopsis, synopsises. Synopsises. I think that's yeah. the correct word. Yes, let's yep. say that. Nailed is. it. Nice job, Mark. Well, thank, thank you, you for that. You know, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, at least bring it up. I, in my notes for this week, I started writing down a couple of new things that we haven't yet featured. One is firsts and the other is tropes. I think just based on the arc of the series and what's going to happen, it's going to be kind of interesting to track the first time we see some things. And actually, you did this in last week's episode, mentioning Leslie's binder for the first time, the first of many, many binders. Uh, you've already mentioned a first that I captured as well here for this episode, the first appearance of Shauna Malway Tweet, probably the first and last appearance of Smart Larry. 
smart Jerry. <laughs> Whatever uh, his name is. Whatever his name is, which gets even funnier in later seasons for those yep. in the know. Um, and I've got a couple other firsts that I'll mention as we go through some of the, the episode highlights and uh, a few of those character arcs. Uh, and then the tropes, same thing. Well, there'll be good places to talk about those as well. We'll just add to that list every week and we'll throw it up on livefrompawnee.com uh, in the episode summary when we get the site up and going and we'll be able to refer to them back for you know to the archives. I love that idea. Um, I, yeah, I'm sure that there's a, a treasure trove uh, of, uh, of things that we can bring up that are either tropes or, or firsts or you know things like that. So that's a great idea. What do we do about now? Is it time for the AKAs? Yes, it is, Mark. Let's get our AKAs done, and then we'll take a quick break. All right. Do you want to uh, go first again this week? Uh, yeah, we should alternate. You know, yeah. on account. Yeah, I'm going to go first this week. I'm making an executive decision. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay. Well, my first is actually from one of the deleted scenes. And if you don't have the DVDs, I recommend getting them, buying them. I checked mine out from our library, our library, if you really prefer. And um, they're, they're pretty good. Um, this week, there weren't as many as there are on some of the episodes, but uh, one of them was pretty funny. And I'm going to play a little clip from it here right now. Yeah, it is so hard to imagine that a woman you slept with four hours after meeting her would make a questionable decision. Two and a half hours. Dude, honestly, I'm not that surprised. That reporter was a little skanky and Mark is also a little skanky. There it is. So there's my AKA. Mark is also a little skanky. I think that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with Mark, our podcast host, but Mark Brandanowitz. Who can also be a little skanky. I mean, everybody yeah. knows it. But yeah, I, know, I, I I actually like that deleted scene quite a bit. Um, my AKA was, uh, see, now it's going to seem like I'm just, you know, copycatting you. But mine is very, very similar in the same vein where uh, Brendanowitz turns into dumb Mark for a second. Not to be confused with your podcast host, Mark. Um, <laughs> and, and Anne's like dude you know you got to talk to her about this and he's like nah 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 don't worry about it it was off the record and she's like well did you did you say it's off the record and he just kind of looks at her and he says do you have to say it's off the record and she just shakes her head so that's my aka do you have to say it's off the record very nice very yep. nice all right well that's a good point for us to take a break we'll do that and we'll be back in a few seconds all right see you soon all right my name is Ron Swanson. This is an advertisement for JJ's Diner. Some have said that JJ's Diner is the unofficial meeting place of the political elite. I don't know what that means. I do know that JJ's Diner is open 24 hours a day, and that breakfast food is the only food I need at any of those hours. My employee Leslie enjoys the waffles. I prefer large portions of bacon and eggs like most self-respecting people. Visit JJ's Diner often, preferably when I am not there. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Thanks for coming back with us. We're going to get this episode back underway. And I think, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to start talking about uh, some of the standout moments as we break this episode down. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I wrote down a few and uh, I actually have four of them. And the first three happened to be all within the first five and a half minutes of the episode. It started, started fairly strong. Um, the, the first one was where Leslie is talking about 
the the infamous uh, Tucker Park graffiti removal project, uh, yep. where apparently there was a lot of uh, uh, cartoon penises that uh, they were trying to remove, and they only got five removed before the project was stopped due to lack of funding. And then <laughs> Leslie's quote is, uh, to this day, I am haunted by those remaining penises. Giant pause, stares off into the middle distance. One penis in particular and one penis that was hilarious and just a little bit sad and a little bit creepy i, I like it it was one of my favorite uh, uh lines from leslie and i wrote the same thing down you know in fact i i get out my calculator afterwards and i estimated that she says not quite 10 percent have been removed and so i i said well fine I, i'm going to assume eight percent have been removed do you know how many cartoon penises that would have made on that fence then mark uh yes that would have made about uh 36 63. Yeah, I, that's, I got the I, dyslexia there. You're dys... Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> this is a family show. Fair enough. Let's move on. Yes, please. Um, all right. The next standout moment. So it kind of sounds like we shared that one. We did share that one. As a standout one. moment. Um, so the next one was... Um, during a Leslie Nope flashback, uh, Leslie is pointing and angrily screaming, no, 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 at the raccoon in the hallway, who quite frankly looks a little bored. And, and this, you know, you were talking about first, I think this starts off uh, the audience's love affair with the uh, infamous ongoing raccoon problem in Pawnee. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that scene, which <laughs> only was like four seconds or so, with Leslie just pointing at that thing and going, no, I think that was a Parks and Rec promo uh, when the series first began. I read that as well. And, and you're right. That's I, I have that down as a first for raccoons, the first of many raccoons we'll <laughs> see in uh, Parks and Rec. In fact, we were we were out at a, uh, a park over the weekend and there was a sign that mentioned something about raccoons. I actually took a picture of it, you know, being nice. that we're only an hour north of Pawnee, Indiana, where yeah. we record our podcast. Yeah, that's where my summer home is, by the way. In Pawnee? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a great look. It's actually I bought the I live in the pit. You live in the pit? Yeah, that's my summer home. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. So anyway, stay down moment number three. Um, the, the mural in City Hall uh, that was entitled The Trial of Chief Wamapo. Uh, it, it's, it's not anything for me. It's not anything that's said, even though there's some funny dialogue there too. It's the painting itself. If you, oh, yeah. if you stop it and look at it, if you freeze the picture... It's like a scene from a Looney Tunes cartoon because you you have an Indian chief tied to a tree, which is, I mean, is sad enough as it is. And then a, a cannon the size of a building. And then the cannon is like literally like 10 inches away from him. Yeah. Like, like some sort of bizarre, you know, Marvin the Martian overkill when he's going to blow up the earth, you know. They're not going to miss at that distance. No, it, it, everything's going to be just, you know, destroyed. Um I don't know. It was just so bizarre. I had to laugh. Um, Did you know what he was convicted for? Crimes against the soldiers, whatever that means. I know. I missed that. Yes. Is that really what they said? That's really what they said. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's terrific. That's just bizarre. Um, and then, so those were all within the first like five and a half minutes. Like I said, the, the episode started really strong. Um, By the way, Mark, on the murals point, that I have that down as another ongoing trope. If you remember, we saw our first mural in episode one. There was no mural in episode two, talking here about airing order. Right. And then we have, uh, you know, the um, 
trial of Chief Wamapo here in episode three. So you're saying that's becoming a thing. Like, it's becoming a thing. So I think when we put up the tracker, we'll be tracking raccoons. We'll be tracking murals. A couple other things we'll talk about here in a minute. But um, binders. yeah, yeah, binders. So I, I intend for um, you know our, our our web guru to put those things up there for us to enjoy later. Yeah, I hope he. I hope he's uh, worth the money we pay him. He's worth a half of that money. Oh my god. Okay. So then the, the only other thing that I had left for standout moments, and this is just more of a general thing, uh, not necessarily a funny thing, but I like that. You know, Mark Brendanowitz, uh, you know, kind of coming a full circle, if you will, uh, and, and apologizing to Leslie and they kind of make up, I, you know, I maybe it's because I'm a, a kid of the 70s and 80s. I, I grew up, I'm a sucker for completing minor story arcs within 21 minutes. I guess it's, you know, <laughs> it's the way I grew up. Um, how about you? Did I miss any? Did you have any standout moments? I think I had a couple. Um, we, we definitely did share the uh, the haunting penises. That, that was one. Um, I think, you know, I had a couple of Andy quotes in here, actually. You know, I think, you know, when Mark uh, Brandanowitz goes and does his thing with uh, Shauna Mulway Tweep there, um, you know, uh, Leslie, of course, finds out about it. She goes to Ann's house and she's she's distraught. She's, you know, she's upset about this. And she's obviously looking to Ann for some comfort. And Andy's there, as always, you know, on the couch and his two broken legs, overhearing, um, having a bowl of cereal or who, who the heck knows. <laughs> playing Wii, Wii tennis. Playing Wii tennis, yes, which was great. And he's like, yeah, I'm in her dogs. So that was pretty funny. And then, um, and then he shouts out at one point, He's probably thinking with the head of his wiener instead of the head of his brain. So <laughs> totally <laughs> improv. Totally improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You listened to the same commentary I did. So I did. That was terrific. So I, I enjoyed those as well. And then I had w- I, one or two more, actually. Um, I called them standout moments. I'd say one I thought was funny and enjoyed. The other one is a standout moment, but I thought it was terrible. Um, the first one was uh, Leslie making excuse. Uh, with Shauna Mulway Tweep after she's kind of misbehaved on realization that her and Brandanowitz have slept together and she makes up the, uh, you know, the stomach ache due to the, uh, the, the burrito. burrito. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they decide to go out and have, have a drink and kind of reconnect and, or uh, maybe a meal. And uh, Shauna says, well, maybe we shouldn't go to a Mexican restaurant. And Leslie says, well, it wasn't a Mexican burrito. <laughs> And I've been looking all day. I can't figure out uh, what other cultures have burritos, but you know, maybe Leslie knows something we don't. Love it. Yep. And then the last one I had was, um, you know, it's a, it's a brand Danowitzism. You know, my original AKA for this episode, when we started talking about this a while back was Mark Brandanowitz is a douche. Um, And this is why. Because now, you know, through the help of Anne, they have gotten Shauna to not print these things that Leslie has said, uh, or that Marcus said, you know, during intimacy moments uh, that he didn't understand were on the record. And, and she says, fine, because we have a personal romantic relationship, I won't print them. And he and says, he couldn't let it. He go. couldn't let it go. He goes, let it go. Yeah. I wouldn't say romantically involved dot, 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 going forward. And Anne just is disgusted. We're disgusted. I don't know. I feel like this is that moment where Brandanowitz is crossing that line. Haverford's headed in the other direction, about to become a lot more likable. And they never, then they stay on those sides of the fence here forward. So. Hmm. 
I got a lot of problems with Brendan with man. Well, let's do it. Let's say it now. All right. I will say it now. I will say now the thing that I have about Mark Brendanowitz, which is coming out of my mouth hole. Thank, Thank you, Purd. Thank you, Purd. Um, so as you mentioned uh, earlier or alluded to, I did listen to the commentary on the DVD for this episode. And during the commentary, something very interesting happened. I thought Paul Schneider, who plays Mark Brendanowitz, was complimented by Nick Offerman, who plays Ron Swanson, on the way, get this, that he underplays everything. Yes. And, and how he said he, uh, how a lot of the performers are very overtly comic. And Paul is a great, he used the word creeper in that you have to pay attention to him. So, and, and Paul responded by saying who Nick Offerman was really complimenting was the show co-creator Mike Schur, who late one night told uh, Paul Schneider right. that he needed to way underplay this role. Yeah. Dial I thought, it down. I thought that was fascinating because I, I I got a different take on that. You know, it's like on paper, I get that line of thinking, like, absolutely. You know, when you're surrounded with this much comic talent, having a straight man can serve as a very effective uh, counterpoint, you know, when you have that many strong personalities. But for me, a Jim Halpert slash uh, Ben Wyatt uh, type who, if necessary, can 100% carry a scene on their own is always going to be a more effective straight man. And not only that, but uh, being a straight man doesn't mean that the character him or herself has to be boring, which, in my opinion, is how Mark Brendanowitz has come across to me. So, like, if I had to give my opinion of how he's behaved is, like, Mark varies from mildly supportive to mildly opportunistic regarding sex to mildly being a jerk to being mildly stupid to mildly sweet ending up as meh, mildly decent overall while it's nice that he ends up with mild redemption i notice i'm using the word mild a lot you know he's not a bad character but overall my my problem with brendanowitz is he's so mild it's like it's his character itself is kind of boring he doesn't have the strength to pull off a leading role i don't think um i don't either so, I mean, I really, well, we talked about hard. this last week. I mean, we, we mentioned that, you know, this, this theory out there, and I think it's probably more than a theory from some of the things I've read that, you know, because this was a functional spinoff of the office, not a real one or not a direct one, you know, that, that there was this idea that the Mark Brandanowitz character was going to be the Jim Halpert of this series. And clearly right. you and I, and many others, I'm certain had the same problem with him and, you know, that just didn't become viable. So um, in the same way that having a Leslie, you know, kind of as the Michael Scott of this series didn't really quite work either. And so, you know, Leslie, after this episode gets a lot smarter and stays a lot smarter and, you know, she, she's a little less doofy, but still lovable. So um, I think both those things happen. You know, another thing I should have mentioned about yeah. Paul Schneider, and I mentioned this last week, I do think he's a really good actor, by the way, I've seen him outside of this uh, sitcom and, you know, in a very non-comedic role, in fact, in a show on Amazon called Tales from the Loop. I don't know. Have you seen this at all? No. It's a science fiction show. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's a little hard to explain, but basically there's a scientific uh, instrumentation built in this town. I would say it's probably in Canada or someplace like that uh, where your back bacon's from. Yo. And Yep. And, and, you know, it, it looks to kind of maybe be set in the seventies based on the way everyone is dressing and those kind of things. But um, these people are really affected by the things going on in what I think is functionally a nuclear collider. And um, 
kind of magical, semi-fantastical things tend to happen to the people wow. and to the uh, to the environment in that town. And uh, his character has a really, really interesting story arc across that series. And and he's he's a fabulous actor. I was really impressed with him. So, um, you know, interesting. Yeah, I recommend it. Way to go, Paul. So let's see what else we kind of we kind of beat Mark to death there. Um... Actually, let's talk about Jerry because we uh, we mentioned him <laughs> at the top. It's yeah, I yeah, I think we can sum this up pretty pretty easily. You know, Jerry throughout the series has been kind of a semi-lovable but bumbling idiot that everyone kind of likes to make fun of, and and you know, at best semi-incompetent. Um, and he seemed actually competent and smart in this episode. You know, like he was kind of the the parental figure saying, Leslie, the, you know, we don't eat this. Like, what are you doing? You know, I didn't tell you to do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was an interesting, uh, I don't know, juxtaposition. Yeah, I called him smart Jerry at the beginning. And I, I think, you know, this would be the last time I ever call him that. Yep, agreed. Who else? Who else? Andy, Andy, uh, you know, I, I think he's interesting to talk about. He represented a couple of our standout moments there, at least a couple of the ones I nominated. But again, I think he hasn't really shown any growth. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, it, to me, I would sum it up kind of like this. You know, Leslie and Ron and Tom and Andy, I don't feel like have a lot of let's call it character growth or character arcs in this episode. They're, they're kind of maintain the status quo. I mean, you know, the, for, for me anyway, the most interesting thing I would have to say about any of those people is Ron Swanson still is, you know, his libertarian anti-government view. I'm still kind of baffled why he's even there, but you know, um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting that he's like, you know, yeah, I know Tom and, you know, lets me, lets me win in Scrabble. Um, the only other person I had to mention that I thought was kind of interesting is Ann Perkins, because mm. I thought that she showed some backbone by because, you know, we see Andy just kind of taking advantage of her and kind of yep. treating her not very nice. And so she actually showed some background confronting Mark about having sex with Shauna Mulway Tweep and then joining him to confront Shauna and this I think this is one of the first see, our theme this is one of the first things that we as the audience see Ann Perkins do on her own without being led by Leslie that's a great point I mean in fact you could argue here that she's kind of the hero of the episode because she's the one mending the fences and trying to drive a lot of action forward and you know Leslie's still relatively just comedic in, in this episode I think that does change and you know Ann kind of has those other moments in the future for sure. But um, this is definitely the first time we've seen it. You know, there's another uh, Aunt Leslie and Anne related trope that I, I noted here as well that we'll see many, many times to come. It's the first of the, what I call the Leslie Ann compliments. And uh, Leslie says to Anne, oh, Anne, you're so sweet yep. and innocent and pretty. And um, there's some like really- bound mermaid. <laughs> There are, there's so many of them <laughs> over the next six and a half seasons that are just hysterical. And I've always just wondered, you know, if Rashida Jones ever had any trouble keeping a straight, straight face. Yeah. When Amy yeah. Poehler would say those things and I'm sure it's true. All right. Well, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Alan, we have uh, another sponsor. We do. Let's um, let's hear a word from that sponsor real quick and then we'll be right back. All right. My name is Ron Swanson. This is an advertisement for the Pawnee Journal. Some have said that the Pawnee Journal is like our town's Washington Post. 
Those people are incorrect and possibly stupid. In point of fact, it is better. Unlike that other useless hippie publication, the Pony Journal prints stories on the things that I truly care about, like the weather and Dan Merriweather's fishing report. Please buy a copy of the Pony Journal and support local journalism. Thank you. That is all. Okay, and we're back. All right. Well, Alan, uh, let's see. I know we usually go to scoring. Do we have anything else we want to include before we uh, we go there? You know, I think since we've introduced the tropes, um, there's a couple we haven't talked about. Most of them we talked about during our standout moments and during our breakdown and some of our character arc. But there's a couple other funny things that are starting to happen here, and they're not quite as monumental, but we're going to see them over and over again. Um this this is a first that we didn't talk about yet. This is our first appearance of JJ's Diner. This is going to be oh, one yeah. of the places that we love and Leslie loves. And we love to watch Leslie love being at JJ's Diner, uh-huh. eating waffles. And, yep. you know, it's definitely her comfort food. And no human being should eat that much whipped cream. Um, so that that's a first. Um, so we'll see a lot of that. Um, another thing that happened was we heard the second of many, many to come band names for Andy Dwyer and his group of friends. Um, That's right. Yeah. So in episode one, we didn't really get any mention of the band um, in airing order again, but in episode two, uh, we hear that the band is named just the tip. And this is when he's having his argument with Lawrence there in the community center. And uh, we'll meet Lawrence again later. Who's terrific. Um, But in this episode, we heard our second version of the band name now called three skin. Three skin. Yeah, formerly yeah. Foreskin, but yeah. the basis quit. And yeah. if anybody knows one, they're looking for one. So. <laughs> uh. so anyway, the third one I noticed was there's a technique. And if you listen to the commentary, and I know based on what you said, you did as well. But one of the things they did that was interesting was they started introducing these jump cuts. So during the scene where Leslie oh, yeah. is being interviewed there at yep. JJ's Diner, right? You remember this? Yep. Um, Sean Tweep has... Uh, you know, asking one question after another and a couple things happen, um, you know, instead of us hearing every question and every answer, there just is this series of Leslie answers one after another after another with these jump cuts where Leslie just continues to shovel waffles in her face. And that's pretty entertaining. No, I, I did notice that. I mean, instead of her, you know, Shauna Mulway Tweep asking her ridiculous question, like I think some of them were, um, you know, some people have stated that it's more likely to feed a unicorn than it is for this part that's to right. get, you know, finishers or whatever like that. And, and you yeah. know, Leslie's like, yeah, you know, ask a 16 year old girl that or, or whatever, you know, little <laughs> quip she has. But I know what you mean. Instead of waiting for, you know, one or two seconds and then hearing yep. what Leslie say and waiting one or two seconds and then having Shauna say the next one, it's just Shauna's question, boom, Leslie's answer. Shauna's question, boom, Leslie's answer. And you can tell the way that the camera goes that it's literally jumping back oh, yeah. and forth. And sometimes it's just answer, 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 because we know what the question is based on the answer. So you know what my you know what my favorite one was of those, what by the that? way? So Shauna has all these ridiculous things, and you know, Leslie's I guess trying to handle it with shoving waffles in her mouth with with a plum. And then Shauna goes, This one just says no. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Nope. <laughs> anyway. I had one last trope, and that yeah. was what I called overprepared Leslie. So, you know, a-, a la the binder in the last episode, yep. they r- literally call out here that Leslie has prepared a crazy amount of answers for potential questions. I think up to 30 of them, she discloses to Mark Brandanowitz. 
but she's still worried about, quote, the opening gambit from Shauna Malway Tweep, which Mark says will probably be something like, how do you spell your name? Oh, you're <laughs> so, so smart. You're so smart. So anyway, that was it. I think we covered everything I had on the tropes. And uh, I think we're ready to score this thing. I think you are correct, good sir. All right. Well, since uh, since you went first with the AKAs, it's only fair that I go first with the scoring. If you say so. Yeah. I mean, I can one up you any way you like. All right. Well, I believe me, I'm counting on it. All fair right. Enough. For me, this episode, I think, is roughly as entertaining as the pilot for a lot of reasons. It, it's it's not bad, but I didn't think it was particularly great, especially by, by Parks and Rec standards. You know, and again, I know you're tired of hearing me say this, that we're going to have a lot of episodes kind of like in this meh territory, I think, in season one. Um it has a few great solo gags. I mean, just see your years and my standout moments. But honestly, I thought it was just a so-so story. It's all right. Um, you know, you can have a decent sitcom like the Three's Company, you know, by just having a series of solo gags without having a real story to gel everything together. But I think for a great sitcom, you really need both to some extent. And that's that's why I'm not going to give this eh, that high of a score. So my, my final uh, calculation here is, I'm going to give it a two, a 2.0 for the base score. I'm going to give it a quarter point for the raccoon scene. I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a quarter point for the tweep. And uh, so I'm going to give it a total of 2.5 little Sebastians back to you, Alan. All right. Fair enough. Well, I I think if I remember from our scoring of episodes one and two, Uh I believe I gave episode one, two little Sebastians. And I thought that episode two was just slightly better than that. And I gave it two and a half. And I've already said that this episode for me, even though the airing and the writing order are swapped, this is, in my mind, a better episode than canvassing. So I really just have no choice but to give it three little Sebastians uh, with with an asterisk behind it where, you know, I think if we were doing quarter points, I would probably say 2.75. So, um, you know, it's not a bad episode. It does have the sum of its parts is better than the score I'm going to give it as a standalone episode. Again, there's a lot of funny moments here. Um, And we saw a few interesting things happen in terms of character development and, you know, some of these recurring themes that we'll see. So it's building. I sense that. So I'm going to go with three little Sebastians this week. I I think that that's a a fair score. Um, You know, I I think in general, I'm trending a tiny bit down from where you usually do. I'm I'm a a, a tiny bit more, you know, negative or pessimistic about the the scoring, but I I think that that's a fair score. And you're absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of, I called it world building here. I mean, the, the fact that we have so many firsts that, Mm. were were so effective that they stuck around in the series to become yeah first of a series of things that were so good that they continued to do them and this episode had a ton of them i mean that in and in and of itself is proof that they're on to something so that's, that's um, a good point not, not they had not a couple enough. last too though you know it's <laughs> the last time we see smart larry smart jerry yeah yeah smart yeah. jerry gosh darn it and it's it's the last time that we do any of this crazy um, you know Scrabble stuff between Tom and Ron. I, I didn't understand that. I didn't know what that was about. It was only mildly funny, and uh, you know I thought that was I just to demonstrate Tom sucking up. I don't know. I think if it had been in the cold open, maybe I'd buy that because um, then it's a bit and you throw it away. But they hit it several times in the episode. I don't, I don't know. For me, it didn't work, and it, it's another reason that this is only going to be three little Sebastians for me. 
fair enough. All right. Uh, uh, firm, but, but fair scores. All right. I, I like it. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mark. And next week when we come back, we'll be talking about episode four of season one called Boys Club. And I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I am too. It's going to be great. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening again this week. And we're looking forward to talking to you next week. Have a good one. See you next week. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. (laughs) 